This is Jewish Board Talk with Sharif Zephard, only on 101.9 High FM. In his book, Menches in the Trenches, Jonathan Anser describes advocate Dennis Cooney's work as follows. In a career that spanned almost six de- decades, human rights advocate Dennis Cooney was involved in many momentous political trials. He also took on all sorts of cases that no one had heard of, defending untold ordinary people charged with a range of offences, from parcel breaches to high treason. He did them all out with any publicity. He also once had a most extraordinary chauffeur. Dennis sadly passed away last October, just as the book went into print. I am, however, very fortunate to have his son, Judge Stephen Cooney, as my guest now to tell me more. Judge Cooney, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Judge Cooney, maybe you can share some early memories of your dad, what it was like growing up at that time with your dad involved in the work that he did. Yes, I, my Dennis uh, was born in 1932. I was born in 1961. I was born at a time when Dennis just started practicing. And uh, we grew up, uh, my parents bought a house in Sandringham and we grew up, we had a sort of a very normal urban existence. But my father went to the bar in, I think it was about 1961, and he immediately became involved in political work. Um, it was at the time of Sharpville in, in, in one government was very repressive there were a multitude of laws which determined what people could or couldn't do and which really they were laws based on segregation blacks had to live in their own areas they were subject to the past laws just ordinary laws which affected people terribly and my father just decided that he wanted to apply his legal skills to helping people, defending cases where people were charged with offences against the state, often for no other reason than because of the colour of their skin. And he felt that was wrong, morally reprehensible. We were exposed to a father who spent a lot of time uh, working and preparing cases that had political elements in them. What are your dominant memories? I mean, obviously, with the work that your, your dad used law as a tool to fight apartheid. Did you ever, as a child, mm. feel unsafe or did your parents feel unsafe? Did you ever feel at any moment your parents might be arrested, your dad might be arrested? No. In actual fact, law was and is a very praised and legitimate profession. And I think he was protected by his status as a lawyer from the harshness of the apartheid system. He could operate in that environment. My parents did have associations with the people that were involved in the struggle. But I think my father was very careful to, you know, not to fall foul of the law. For example, I think he was very particular about the fact that we shouldn't we shouldn't have uh, banned books in our house that could be seized and and used against him you know so there were occasions when he did cases i think there was a case he once did in the sky where instructions were given in case he and his attorney were arrested instructions were given friends were notified that if there was any call to assist they would assist. But generally speaking, you know, he could operate in that environment. He was a very astute lawyer. You know, he was very clear about about what his rights were and what the rights with, 
of, of other people were, and he used the law as, you know, in the best possible way to assist people. So personally, I don't think the family or I ever felt threatened, but we did feel of the system because we, we would listen to him speak about his cases, you know, where, where there was just a sense that, that grave injustices had been uh, carried out and that many of our people in, in this country had just got a very, very raw deal and that the law itself was wrong to oppose people and oppress people because of the color of their skin. Judge Cooney, your dad is described as a very humble person. And, um, you know, Jonathan reflects on the fact that when he was asked, you know, to be in the book, he's like, no, no, this isn't the book. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm worthy of it. Tell me a little bit about your dad, as, how you saw him. I think it's true. He was a very humble person. He was actually quite a well-balanced and quite a multi-talented person. Uh, he had, he was very keen on sport. He played squash and tennis. At one point in the early days, he did judo, and uh, he was also a very talented musician. He played the piano and gave all his three children a great love of music, and we all are uh, in some way musically skilled. But he never really sought the limelight. He felt that he was doing what he was doing just because it was the right thing to do. And um, I think he imparted that sense of, of what was right and justice um, my mother was also very supportive. In the early days, worked for the Defence and Aid Society, which was which was an an organisation I think rooted in in England, which was uh, to people who needed defence, um, who were charged with political offences, and she. She assisted where she could. She was very supportive. I think they both felt very similarly about the fact that w they couldn't stand by and just accept this the, the system as it was. They needed to do whatever they could to try and help people. And my mother, for many years, for about 17 or 18 years, every month visited Dennis Goldberg in Pretoria Central Prison, where he had been imprisoned for life for, for high treason. So she also did her bit. And, you know, there was a sense that they, they had a common purpose and a common goal. As far as Dennis is concerned, you know, Dennis, he didn't only do political work. He was really a lawyer's lawyer. He, he did all kinds of cases and he loved the law. But a large part of his practice was defense of people charged with um, apartheid crimes and crimes against the state. You know, he said, I think in an interview, he was interviewed by a journalist the year before he died. And he said, you know, I, I, I just did it because I thought that was the right thing to do. You say he was a lawyer. I think he was a lawyer's kind of lawyer. Um, obviously, it impacted on you because I, I can't help but notice you have followed in the legal career. To what extent do you think that was because, uh, did he encourage yeah. you? Was it just, uh, just how did that happen? In the early days, when I studied, I did an ordinary BA and I, I didn't immediately start studying law and I sort of did it on purpose. I think almost, almost as a way of saying to him, you know, don't think because you're a lawyer, I'm going to become a lawyer and don't think I'm going to follow in your footsteps. And his attitude was, it's fine, do whatever you want. Um, however, I think he was very pleased when I did study law. And, you know, I studied law in the early 80s when we were still living in a very, very repressive society. I mean, 80, 85, 86 
the townships were aflame. And I did, you know, I, I suppose that I did think that I would follow in his footsteps and that, that I could use my legal training and legal skills to do a similar kind of political work. But if you remember what happened, um, you know, I, I started practicing in 1988. By 1990, or shortly thereafter, the ANC was unbanned. Nelson Mandela's release was on, was on the cards and apartheid just, just actually crumbled. And it became a, a very different environment in which lawyers practiced. And then, uh, you know, 19, there was the interim constitution and the final constitution in 1986. And there was a totally different legal order. But certainly I got my love of the law and my, you know, my interest in the law from him. And from the early days, as you know, when I started studying law, we would have innumerable discussions about the law. And Dennis had a very practical, common sense intuitive feeling for the law. He often said, he said, you know, I'm not the kind of lawyer that goes into court armed with reams of cases and legal authorities. He was a man of principle and he would, he would choose a few cases that said what they needed to say and what, what felt best encapsulated the issues in the case. And he would, you know, and he was a very, very good arguer. He was a very good cross-examiner. And it just came from an intuitive, down-to-earth feeling for the law. And I think also a feeling for justice, you know, what what was right and what was wrong. He'd, he'd off, we'd often, often discuss a case and he would say, it just doesn't seem right to me. It doesn't feel right. And then we'd start discussing it. And in the process of discussing it, you know, the, the intricacies of the law would come into it. And sometimes we would disagree. But generally speaking, when we discussed the problem, I would tap into his wisdom as a lawyer. And I learned an enormous amount. I mean, he was a, he was a, he was a very important mentor to me. And, um, you know, Dennis was asked to be a judge I think in the early 90s, and he declined the invitation. He said that he, he didn't want to do that. He felt that he was at a stage of his life where he didn't want to commit himself to service on the bench, and he declined the invitation, the opportunity. And I had done some acting judgeships. And very shortly before Dennis died, I was appointed a judge. He was, he was in very poor health. But, you know, I managed to convey to him the fact that I'd been appointed a judge and he was he was very very pleased it's very very moving um judge Cooney for you to share the story and um his legacy is is so great and it's kind of reassuring that you're continuing with that that you you, you're taking you know South Africa the, the, the legal struggle in South Africa is so important it's probably as important now as it was then and to know that the legal system is standing as strong as it was, mm. and we're relying on uh, people like yourself to to protect ordinary citizens in our legal environment is really reassuring. Well, thank you for that. What I might also say is that, you know, one of the things that Dennis, Dennis was one amongst a number of lawyers who felt very similarly to him, who were very dedicated in their practice of the law to defending people, people like George Bezos and Arthur Chaskelson, uh, Raymond Tucker, Ernie Wenzel, Jules Brody, and other people who felt very similarly minded to him. And, you know, there was a, there was a community of lawyers and they became family friends. 
He had a great respect and regard for the legal system, even though, in fact, often the legal system let people down because the laws were so oppressive and judges uh, were judges would, would have to apply the law and the law was very unfair. In between and with a creative application of the law, there were, there were many opportunities to ameliorate the harshness of the law. And I think that's what this book, Mentures um, in the Trenches, does. It looks at different people in different spheres, including the lawyers, that did what they could under very difficult circumstances because they felt it was the right thing to do. I think it's, that's a very, very powerful theme. Judge Cooney, I can't believe it, but our time is up. But I'd just like to say thank you very much for joining me. It's really been wonderful to talk to you. And thank you for sharing your memories of your dad, Dennis Cooney, who was an extraordinary um, lawyer. We haven't even got into the fact that he, he was driven by Nelson Mandela. Maybe we can quickly squeeze that in. Well, Did you your know, dad talk about that? Just, I never heard that story till many, many, many years later. I don't even think Dennis told us that story. He didn't regard it as something that he needed to really mention or, you know, boast about or brag about. I think it was somebody else that actually told the story. I heard that story through somebody else, which is again a reflection of the kind of person he was. He didn't regard it as something amazing. It's just, just something he did because he was, you know, it, it was something he, look, it was a bit, you know, you asked me about feeling, putting himself at risk. I think probably he probably did put himself at risk by doing that, but it was such a perfect cover to have him. Nelson Mandela was the driver of the vehicle and Dennis was the passenger. And the way of getting Nelson Mandela to where he wanted to be was for them to pretend that he was chauffeuring my father to Durban, I think it was. So I suppose he did take a risk there, but he never thought it really that important. Um, so the story only came out later and I'm very glad it, it did because it's a lovely story. And I'm very glad we managed to squeeze that in just before I kind of do say goodbye to you. Thank you very much, Sarah. <laughs> Thank you very much, Judge Thank you, Stephen indeed. Cooney.